Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Hey, let's give it up for Bob. Didn't he do a great job? Isn't he awesome? And Pastor Stephanie, Stephanie's awesome. Aaron, her husband, is uh, not here. He's at our South End campus, and so he's helping out there. And I'm excited. My name's Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor here. My wife and I are. She's at our Lake Norman campus, and we got people from all over the world watching us today. We've got Indiana. Man, they got the, it's so small, I can barely see it. What's NB? Nebraska? Is NB Nebraska? I hope y'all are confused. I mean, this is a test. Illinois, uh, MI, Michigan, Virginia, Alabama, North Carolina, Washington, D.C. And we have a special group from Kuwait. Uh, We have the 30th Brigade. We can see pictures of them right here. One of our very own, Travis Lankford, is there. And uh, we just want to thank you guys so much. They're tuning in today. Thank you so much for all of your hard work. We are free right here today because of you. So thank you. Come on, let's give them a a big hand. Happy Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July. Hope you ate too much yesterday. Now it's time to get on a diet. Amen. All right, today I want to get your your phones out, however you take notes. I'm going to, this is going to be a pretty uh, strong message from your pastor. So I just want to start off with everybody saying, I love you, Pastor Troy. Say, I love you. I love you, Pastor Troy. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Even if it's across the house, say, man, I really love my pastor. Come on, look at your other neighbor. Say, he's probably the best pastor I've seen today. Come on, let's look at him. He's the best pastor I've seen today. Uh, This is going to be a bit strong, but I I think sometimes we need a good, strong, correcting message to help us kind of navigate what we're dealing with in our life. And we've been in a series called You Asked For It, and we're talking about the questions that you want answers to. And one of the questions that you asked is, are we in the end times? Are we in the end times? I would say that uh, I think in light of what's going on in our society right now, I think it's a good question to ask. I think in light of what's happened over the last year, over the last three months, over the last three weeks, over the last two or three days, I think it's a good question to dig into, to figure out kind of where we are, where do we, where do we sit in regards to biblical prophecy. Most of the Bible is prophetic, meaning that it's going gonna, it's gonna to basically give us a direction, and uh, if we listen to God's voice, we can understand and discern uh, what's going on in our society and understand kind of where we sit as a people so we can help um, uh, you know, help people that are coming along, help people that are deciding to be Christians. And I, I would just like to say that, you know, just even in the light of this past week where we had a governor in, our, um, in, in California say that, that churches can't even sing in church. So that's pretty strong, you know, whether you agree or disagree with that. I think that's part of what we're seeing in our society. And I just want to let you know, as your pastor, we're going to keep having church um, you come as comfortable as you are. We're gonna, I'm going to be right here. We're going to exercise our First Amendment right to gather together and assemble together because I believe we need to. And I don't care if two people are here or 2,000 people are here. I'm going to be preaching from this platform, and we're going to see people get saved. Amen? 
And so, um, so are we in the end times? Well, his, Jesus' disciples asked him this question. Are, are, are we in the end times? So I want you to look at me. A couple chapters you want to write down for future study. Uh, Matthew 24. I'm going to read a few verses out of Matthew 24. You want to go to Luke 21. You can look at that. You can look at 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. You can look at 1 Peter chapter 3. You can look at the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. Now, what, what I am going to tell you is that I'm not going to get into a lot of eschatology. All right? Um, I believe that Jesus is coming back. We're going to talk a lot about that. Um, and, and I'm going to be on the first load. Okay? So whether you're a pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, after-trib, trib-trib, whatever, I'm not going to argue with you about that. I just know whenever he comes back, whatever trib we're in, I'm going to be on that load. Anybody with me? Anybody ready to go on that first load? All right. Half of you are. I don't know what the rest of you believe, but that's what I believe. All right. So Jesus... And he has this question from his disciples. Now, as he sat at the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So this is the question that we want to answer today. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed or listen up, guys, that no one deceives you for many will come in. My name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. So one of the first things that you can understand about knowing that you're in the end times or we are in the end times is when deception will rise. There'll be a lot of conversations about Jesus um, coming from people who have something to say, but it's not necessarily biblical. It's more uh, opinionated. And, And they have answers that the Bible says they can't have when it comes to the end times. Verse 6, it says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Notice verse 7, powerful verse. For nation will rise against nation. This word nation in the Greek is the Greek word ethnos, meaning people group. Or you could say, for people group will rise against people group. Would you say that we're kind of in a situation where people groups are rising against other people groups? All right, we're seeing that right now. And kingdom against kingdom. Now, this word kingdom is the Greek word basilia, and it means administration. So another way you could read this verse is, for people groups will rise against people groups, and administrations will rise against administrations. And there will be famines, plagues, that's what a pestilence is, a plague or a disease, and earthquakes in various places. Uh, I think we're kind of seeing that right now. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Who is the you? That's the disciples. We're the disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you're a disciple of God. They'll kill you. Look at your neighbor and say, "Uh uh-oh. That's not good. And you will be hated by all nations or all ethnos, all peoples for my name's sake. In other words, it's not going to get easier to be a Christian. It's going to get more difficult. You're going to have to decide what you really believe and how strongly you are. There's no more ripping out pages of the Bible. You've got to decide, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm going to stand firm, or you're not. And can I just say something? If you're kind of in the middle, um, don't mess it up for the rest of us who are really trying to be one. Remember, said, I love you, Pastor. All right. Verse 10, and then, he, then many, now notice how Jesus breaks this down and he gives us a pattern 
in order to watch. He says, and then many will be offended. After they are offended, they'll betray one another. After they betray one another, they will hate one another. And as a result of this type of atmosphere, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. In other words, offense, betrayal, and hatred is a seedbed for deception. It's an opportunity for the Antichrist spirit, which is already active in, a, in, in the world, to come in and begin to deceive people, even Christians, away from a biblical worldview or a connection to God. Are you following me? So when you see offense, which we're seeing, betrayal, which we're seeing, and hatred, watch out because there are going to be voices that you're going to have to discern and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is either God or not God. Then, it says, and because lawlessness. Are we seeing lawlessness? Absolutely. People are taking over whole city blocks and revolting against the law. That's called lawlessness. Will abound, and the love of many will grow cold. In other words, people will become indifferent to even their, their fellow human beings. They'll get so disconnected from the people that they're around. So notice the, 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 the kind of progression. He says, there'll be offense, betrayal, hatred, deception, lawlessness, and indifference. When you see this, know that it's the beginning of sorrows. Let's keep reading. But he who, say this word with me, endures. One more time. He who endures. Endure means to uh, to, to move in the face of opposition, to overcome in the face of opposition. And in the days that we live in, it means to go above what is expected of you. You have to endure to the end shall be saved. For those, so, so in other words, what Jesus is saying is you're going to have to overcome offense, betrayal, hatred, deception, lawlessness, and indifference. And if you make it through that, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. Quiet in this Episcopalian church today. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Are we in the end times? I would dare say that we're close. I think that there's some things we need to make sure of. Now, I am not an eschatology professor. Eschatology is the study of the end times. And so one of the things that I don't debate with people is things that really don't matter in the framework of understanding Scripture. Because Scripture is many times metaphorical, many times it's poetic, um, sometimes it's literal, sometimes it involves history, sometimes it doesn't involve history, sometimes it's connected. But all of it, Genesis to the book of Revelation, is pointing to a redemptive God who loves mankind. And so what ends up happening with me as a pastor is, and I'm sure with you, if you, you declare that you're a Christian, people are going to come to you and say, well, well, was the earth really created in seven literal days? doesn't really matter. It's not that important in the framework of the whole Bible. Was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? I mean, how big was the fish? You know, if, if he was really, so they'll argue and discount biblical truth for the sake of something that really doesn't make a difference, that is really God is using as a metaphor in order to point us to Jesus. You know, did Moses really um, divide the Red Sea? How deep was the water? 
It couldn't have been that deep. Who cares? The point is that they were going to the promised land. And Jesus is a symbol of the promised land for you and I. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, are those things worth talking about? Sure, we can, we can talk about it. But we want to make sure that we have some theological truths that are non-negotiable for us. And I want to give you four theological truths that you have to be sure in your heart about. Okay? So write these down. Number one, that Jesus was born of a virgin. By the way, these all center around Jesus. Because he is the most important thing that we need to understand. He is the most important person we need to connect with. So, first and foremost, you have to confirm in your heart that Jesus was born of a virgin. I don't understand it. Okay, I mean, how, how did God, the Holy Spirit, impregnate Mary? Okay, I don't understand it, but I believe it. Well, how can you explain it? That doesn't matter. The point is, is that if I do not believe it, or if I discount it, then what I am doing is I am pulling the deity away from the person of Jesus. And so Jesus was born of a virgin. This is called the immaculate birth. You have to get this in your heart and know beyond a shadow of a doubt. This is what I believe. Secondly, Jesus died for our sins. This is the easy one because we all want forgiveness. Come on, how many of y'all made a mistake this morning? Come on, raise your hand if that's... Okay, I know Randy did, so... <laughs> His wife told me on the way up here. All right. We, we love, we, we, that one's easy. Jesus died for our sins. He died for our sins. All, he became sin so that you and I would not have to pay for our sins. You and I could never pay for our sins. And so Jesus became sin, hung on the cross, died, and thirdly, Jesus was resurrected. He was raised from the dead. This is the center point of our Christian faith. The cross is extremely important. The birth, extremely important. But his resurrection is what solidifies the reality that you and I will never have to experience death or separation from God. Are you following me? And that's what the resurrection means, is Jesus was raised from the dead... And as a result of my belief in his resurrection, now I have fellowship with God and will for eternity because of his resurrection. And then the fourth truth that we have to be firm in is that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Here's what happened in Acts chapter 1 that I think is important. After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. So the disciples were all there, 11 of them, you know, as... Of course, Judas was gone. He, he had killed himself. And Jesus would, had been with them for 40 days, spent 40 days with them, uh, I believe, teaching them about the church and what the church was going to look like. And then after 40 days, he, he gave them, he said, you need to stay here, wait for the promise. Uh, day of Pentecost is coming. And he says, while they were watching and they could no longer see him, he, he was lifted up in the heavens. And as they strained, they were looking up, what's he doing? Where is he going? Ray, him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Two angels came and showed up. It says, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday. Everybody say someday. someday. Come on, say it again. Say someday. someday. He will return. He will return from heaven in the same way you saw him. So just like we're looking up to heaven as he's leaving, one day he's going to come back to earth. 
Now, this is called the second coming. This is called the second coming. So when? Okay, if we are in the end times, which I believe we are. Matter of fact, my belief is when Jesus was raised from the dead and when he lifted up into heaven, when the Holy Spirit came and, G- and Peter preached that first message, we began the clock. And I'm going to share some things with you to let you know that it's, it's getting closer. But the truth is, is none of us know when exactly Jesus is going to come back. Jesus said in Matthew 24, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Nobody knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So, what does that mean? We won't know the date, but we will know the season. We won't know the exact date, but as believers, we will know the season. We'll, we'll feel the season. There's something that God puts on the inside of us, an internal connection with him that we'll know. Now, every generation, I can tell you just from, from studying and reading books, every generation has thought that Jesus would come back in their generation. So what makes our generation more kind of ready for his return? Well, there's a couple things that we have to understand. A few signs that it could happen right now. And the question I have for you today is, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for him to come back? What if he came back today? What if he came back right now? Right now. Are you ready? I think it would be great if he came back while we were in church. I mean, the clubs are closed right now, so you can't go to be at the club, so that's good. I mean, I'm re- I'm, but I'm ready. I'm kind of making a joke about it, but I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for his return. Does it make you nervous? Are you scared? Well, maybe I can scare the hell out of you today. Maybe that's one way I can, uh, maybe I can scare you enough. Um, that's not my motivation, by the way. I want to encourage you today. But why, how is it that we, a few signs that this could actually happen, like this could really happen? Well, let's look at it. First of all, a few signs this, is, this could happen is worldwide viewing technology. Right now, all of you, pretty much everybody in this room, I would say, I would dare say, there's not many of you that do not have a tel- telephone, a cell phone, a smartphone. And right now, all of us could watch a live video from somewhere in the world. If, if, if something happened in the world and you were notified, all of us together could get online and watch it all at the same time. Much of what's happened over the last um, 30 days is as a result of one video going viral and everyone seeing it. Would you agree? Okay. First satellite was put into space in 1957 by Russia called Sputnik. You remember that? And so in the last probably 20 years, maybe less, we now have the capability to be able to see at one time all over the world one broadcast. Now, why is this important? Because in Revelation chapter 11, God tells us that something's going to happen in the end times, that the whole world is going to watch. There's going to be two witnesses. The Bible calls them witnesses. They're going to come to the earth, and in the middle of the street, they're going to preach the gospel. They're going to be preaching and declaring things. The whole world is going to be watching this. Couldn't have happened in 1940. Couldn't have happened in 1850. It could only happen right now. 
that everybody could watch it. And as they're preaching, the world is angry with them because of what they're saying. And the Bible says, Revelation chapter 11, you can look at it, a beast will come. The Antichrist will come and kill these two witnesses in front of the entire world. And the world will watch it and celebrate as a result of the death of these two witnesses. And they will lay dead in the streets for three and a half days. And the whole earth will celebrate their death. And watch it on live television. Couldn't happen even 25 years ago. But it can happen now. After three and a half days, those two witnesses will be raised up back from the dead. All of the world will watch. And the beast will be defeated. And the second coming will happen. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay, so, so we are in a position where right now we could have that happen right now. And all of us, I mean, you could get notified right now. Ding, 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 all over this congregation. And people go, oh my gosh, there's two witnesses and we're all watching it. Second thing that could happen is worldwide financial technology. The technology exists right now for a worldwide currency. It's being talked about. That we would, the whole world would be on one currency. And the book of Revelation talks about a mark that will be presented in the end times for people in order for them to do business in this worldwide currency. You may have heard of it. It's the mark of the beast, 666. That mark will be put on people's foreheads and on their hands. Now you say, oh, that's just the movies. No, it's in the Bible. All you have to do is read it. It's kind of interesting that a lot of the movies that you see are... Are come from biblical truths. Now, why would there be a mark on the forehead and the hand? Why not their leg or part, another part of their body? Because, because the forehead represents your choice, your will, your volition, your ability to choose. Your hand represents your activity. See, the enemy wants to control what you choose and what you do. And the way he'll do that is by a technology that will cause everybody to have to do the same thing, choice-wise and their activity. Are you following what I'm talking about here? Third is a worldwide evangelism. The Bible says in Matthew 24, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. Christianity is the, the, most, the, the most celebrated religion in the world, by the way. I know what we hear on the media, but the church is the most powerful she's ever been, ever, right now. Isn't that great? Come on, let's give God a big hand clap for that. You are a part of something huge. There's about 7 billion people on the earth today. In 1970... Of that seven, of, of that, you know, it wasn't seven billion in 1970, but of the, the population of the world, 1.2 billion were believers. Now, 2000, actually 2017, there were 2.6 billion believers. So from 1970 to, two, to 2017, Christianity more than doubled in less than 45 years. Pretty amazing to think about. Pretty amazing. There's 193 countries in the world. Uh, only 20 of them exist without growing churches in those countries. 
Those are countries that outlaw Christianity. So 173 countries are experiencing growth in the church. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you look back at poverty, let's just look at poverty. This is how influential the church is in the world. More than just eternal spiritual things, there are natural things that happen as a result of the church. This is why I'm so passionate about the church. Is look, we don't just meet on Sundays because it's just fun and we can sing some good song and Dusty can sing and, and it's really sweet and oh, that was such a good song. No, we are influencing spiritual things that are affecting physical things. We are shifting things in the government. We are shifting things in, in our communities as a result of us prophesying and being unified as the church. That's why the enemy wants to divide us so bad. Are y'all with me today? So you got to make sure we, you get this in your heart to realize that you're a part of something that, that, that is strong. And so in, 19, in 1990, 52% of the world was at poverty level. Check this out. Remember, 193 countries, 173 are now growing churches. Now, 2019, only 8.6% of the world is in poverty. The only 8.6% is in those 20 countries that has outlawed Christianity. That's where it exists. Over 90% of the poverty exists in places that the church is being defeated. Why do you think the enemy wants to defeat the church? Why do you think he wants to, to close the church down? Why do you think he doesn't want us singing on Sundays? Because he knows that there's power in what we do. We're influencing. Understand that. Get that. Understand that in your heart. That th what we're doing is has, has worldwide influence and spiritual effect across the nations. We're affecting people's lives that aren't here right now by what we do every Sunday when we gather together. When you watch online, you're affecting people's lives. Amen. Um, millions of Muslims are getting saved every year. Millions of Muslims. I have a friend. He pastors in Boston, Derek Fry. Good friend of mine. Great church in, in Boston. And uh, he was telling me that he has a, a friend. He, he can't even tell me the pastor's name who's in Pakistan. And every month, Pastor Derek gets online and speaks to over 5,000 pastors in Pakistan over a, a secure network connection so he can influence Pakistan. That's what's happening in our world. It's amazing. He can't tell me the church name. He can't tell me the pastor's name because if he did, they might get killed. Come on. And we're concerned about whether somebody didn't like our post on social media. <laughs> Let, let's get a little framework here on what we're dealing with spiritually. So what does this mean? I don't want you to be scared. I want you to be encouraged. See, Jesus' return should comfort you. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. All of our family members who have died before us that are are our Christians, all of our friends that are believers who have died before us, they're the first wave 
that's going to go up to meet the Lord. Then, together, if Jesus came back this afternoon while you're at Viva Chicken, if he came back, then together with them, we who are still alive, remaining on the earth, will be caught up. That's, that's the rapture. That's what, that's what the Bible refers to as the rapture. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage. Everybody shout encourage. Encourage each other with these words. Why is that so encouraging? Because when he comes back, there won't be any more death. There won't be any more pain. There won't be any more tragedy. There won't be any more racism. There won't be any more disease. There won't be any more cancer. There won't be any more diabetes. There won't be any more hate. None of that's going to happen. So encourage yourself. Be comforted that Jesus is coming back. Come on, y'all. Isn't that exciting to know? Pastor Troy, you're preaching good today. Number two, Jesus prepares, uh, Jesus' return prepares us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness. You, you, remember, you, you might not know the day, but you'll know the season. So that this day should not surprise you like a thief. So, so here's the deal. It, his, his return prepares us. It gets us, it gets us in a position where, where we're, we are focusing on the right things. We're doing the right things. There's over 300 references in the New Testament about Jesus' return. 23 of the 27 New Testament books talk about Jesus' return. 216 chapters in the New Testament talk about Jesus' return. I would say that it's pretty important to understand that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for you and me. He's coming back for a glorious church. Number three is that Jesus' return focuses us. Focuses us. Look at 1 Thessalonians. You are all sons of light. And sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I like what Jesus said in Matthew 24. So you too must keep watch. Be on alert. Be ready. Be focused. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming... He would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. All the time. Be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. The world will least expect him. But we'll be ready for him. Ready for him. So be focused. I like the word vigilant. Be vigilant. I like to say it this way. He says, what do you do? Plan like Jesus isn't coming for 100 years, but live like he's coming tomorrow. Plan. Okay, look, there's nothing wrong. Purchase a house. Invest. Save for retirement. Invest in your kids. Get an education. Whatever. Plan like, like he's not coming back for 100 years, but let's live. Use our influence. Use our words. Use our gifts like he's coming back tomorrow. There's an urgency with us. There's, there's a thought that, hey, listen, if I don't tell this person about God, if, if I don't talk to my neighbor about him, I'm not ta- talking about being weird. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about being weird. At Freedom House, we don't want to be weird. We want to be normal. Just making sure I want to be normal. 
Don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I, w- I want to be like, people are attracted to me. Like, hey, I want to I I be like Troy. I want to be, be like Pastor Stephanie. I want to be, like, be like them. I, what do they have? There's something about them. I want to get around them. Man, they, sh- they seem sure about life. They seem full of peace, and, and they, they understand. It seems like that they, they, they never get shaken in the midst of situations. They seem like to always be steady and stable and, and, and connected and clear in their thinking. I want, I want that. They, you know, they, they have pro- I see them have problems. They tell me about their problems, but then they overcome their problems. That's, that's when we can use our influence, right? So we can, see, so we can connect with them and, and share God and let them know, look, he's coming back. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have some sin you need to confess? Are you ready to get rid of some, some things that are weighing you down, letting go of those sins which so easily ensnare us? releasing those. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but man, we're getting better every day. We're taking a step every day. I'm working out my salvation day by day by day by day because one day he's going to descend out of heaven and I'm going to be ready on the first bus. I'm on the first bus. Front row for, for Troy Maxwell. So let me give you a couple thoughts in closing. Number one, you got to think clearly. Think clearly. Think clearly. Here's what Peter said. He said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Be clear-minded. Do you have, listen to me, do you have a biblical worldview? Because there's a lot of worldviews that you can have. Do you have a biblical worldview? Are you firm in your beliefs? Because the media, the Insta mob, the Facebook mob, they're going to attack your beliefs. You got to decide, what sword am I really going to fall on here? Make sure what I'm really believing. Because as this time clock ticks, it's going to be more difficult and more challenging for you to declare your Christianity. But when you are firm in your faith, Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Listen, I've been attacked like crazy just for opening a church. Like crazy. I'm like, hello, we're just going to have church. You're killing people. No, I'm not. I'm not have, I've never killed anybody. Wanted to, but never done it. Just being honest. Just for having church. But I'm firm in my beliefs. Because the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, as the day approaches. I really believe what I'm preaching today, guys. Okay, I I firmly believe this today. And and listen, there's going to be times, I I know that you're being attacked by what you put on social media. But there's going to be a time when you put a scripture on there and you're going to be attacked by it. Because people are going to say, well, I can't believe that you believe that stuff. Well, you better know. We better know. Have a biblical worldview. Be firm. The Bible says in Romans 12, it says, it says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Another, another translation says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world because the world would love to squeeze you into its mold and determine your choice 
and your activities. Well, I don't have no mark. Well, it not, might, might not show up yet. But we're sure moving in that direction if we're not careful. So, so secondly, if you want to write this down, you've got to focus on relationships. 1 Peter 4, verse 9, it says, most of all love each other. Let me read that again just to make sure. Most of all love each other as if your life depended on it. Everybody look at me for a second. Are you really going to let the absence or the presence of a hashtag determine your relationships? Are you really going to do that? Is that what's going to determine relationships, is a hashtag? Because that's where it's come down to. Is, let me tell you what Jesus did. You say, well, Jesus wasn't on social media. Well, how would he would respond? I think it's a good question to kind of ask ourselves every now and then about what we're saying to people. Is, is how would Jesus do this? WWJD. Remember that old bracelet you used to wear back in the 70s? 80s, 90s, remember WWJD? What would Jesus do? WWJT on SM, social media. What would he do on social media? How would he respond? Who did he get mad at? Who, who did Jesus get angry with in the Bible? There was one group of people. The religious. The religious. Everybody else, he invited in. Now, some of them didn't come, some of them waited. Some of them, but he, the only people that he got angry with were, were the religious. The religious. So make sure you know where your anger is pointed. In the right direction. And focus on relationships. Be, decide right now that you're going to become unoffendable. I say it all the time. Become unoffendable. You say, well, hold on, pastor. Hold on. You don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. But yeah, I, I, we need to have revenge. God will take care of that. He'll take care of all that. But how you, how you respond to it is up to you. Are you going to live hurt for the rest of your life that way? That is, that, is, that is kind of, in my opinion, okay, is a very pitiful kind of life. Is to live hurt and, and victimized your entire life. That is, not, that is not a thriving kind of life. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You, you are worth something more than that. Man, I'm, I'm preaching good today. Preaching good today. Love makes up for practically anything. And then lastly, lastly, I'm done. I know y'all are tired of me already. All right, number three, you got to make a difference. Make a difference. First Peter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Every one of you. Every one of you are talented. Oh, you're so talented. You, you have so many gifts on the inside of you. What you do for a living, amazing. How you think, you're one of a kind. The, the way your perspective on life, the potential that you have, you're amazing. What you do, the, the influence that you can have over someone's life, it's amazing. You're so valuable in the kingdom of God. So, you're worth so much. It's worth so much. Please, please, please don't allow the enemy to steal that potential from you. If you got kids, there's so much they can learn from you. 
They're watching you. Kids are like little video cameras. They're recording everything you do. Let's use that influence in such a powerful way. Let's think about the abilities that God has given and be sure to use them to help each other. Passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. God can use you in such a powerful way right now. I've been praying for you a lot because I I think that God has put our church, you, myself, for such a time as this. Like where you sit right now, what you do, the job you're in, the neighborhood you live in, God puts you there right now for this moment. The relationships you have, the folks that you're in communication with, conversations with, the different races that you have influence into, the, 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 the people groups that God has given you an inroad into. Man, it's so important that we leverage all of that influence for the glory of God. So we can see God change our nation, change our world. Yeah, listen, listen. I'm a firm believer that God works best in chaos. He did it at the beginning. The earth was without form and void. And God spoke. Let me tell you, God's speaking. You know how he's going to speak? Through you. He's going to speak through you. A kind word. A loving gesture. A servant heart. Using your abilities my abilities to see God rise up to see the spirit of the living God are you ready for Jesus to return are you ready would you bow your head and close your eyes you're watching online would you just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are if you're listening to my voice today listen my voice is not important but my prayer every week is that you hear the voice within the voice that you would hear the, the, pre, the, the power of God, that you would hear the voice of God, and that you, would, you could discern how God wants to speak to you in this moment right now, that he wants to do something in your heart. Are you ready for the, for the return of Jesus? Is your heart right? Is your life pleasing to him? Look, maybe you knew God at one time, you fell away from him. You let, you let life and maybe the search for things in the world pull you away from God. But right now, you know that your life is not pleasing to him. And you want to get right. You want to rededicate, recommit. Or maybe, maybe you're watching and maybe you're here in this room. And you've never made a decision to become a follower of Jesus. Look, just because you come to church doesn't make you a follower of God. No, it's that confession declaration, belief. The Bible says if you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you're in this place today, you're watching online and you've never made that confession, you want to make that confession, or maybe you made it a few years back, a few weeks back, a few months back, a few decades back, and you want to recommit, rededicate, I want to pray with you today. I want to lead you in a prayer. To dig into the potential that God has for you. Just if you're if you say, That's me, Pastor Troy, that's me. I want to make that declaration today. I'm gonna to count to three. When I get to three, just raise your hand. Right where you are, even if you're watching, you're in this room, just raise your hand. You ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. You say, That's me. 
I, w- I want to be ready to meet Jesus. I want you to do something. This is going to require some faith. Require some faith. If you raised your hand, I want you to do something for me. I want you to stand up right where you are. Stand up. I'm not going to call you up to the front, but I just want you to stand up right where you are. Because in order for you to stand up out there, you're going to have to stand up in here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those of you that are standing next to your couch, next to your chair. Thank you for standing up in your kitchen. Thank you. Now, church, would you stand with them right now? Just stand with them. Because I want them to feel like what it, what it is to have people around them stand up and support them. This is what community is all about. This is why it's so important to be a part of a church. It's because you need people around you that will stand with you. Because you're going to have some times where you don't know what it feels like. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. You're going to go through some challenges and people are going to be mean to you. Even Christians. Can you believe it? Christians? They're going to be mean to you. You're going to go through some pain and sorrow and tragedy and circumstances. But that's what community can rally around you. Life groups can rally around you to lift you up when you feel like just sitting down. So let's pray this prayer all across this building, all across online church. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, say it firm like you believe it. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I believe that he's coming back, and I want to be ready. Lord, thank you for changing my life. I will serve you, and I will worship you all the days of my life in Jesus name and everybody shouted amen come on give God some praise come on so good amazing amazing service amazing word